We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vince intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Mintz! Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a near corner three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter! Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 315. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in! A pretty up-and-under move from Benny Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. Happy Monday. Well, maybe not so happy, I guess, if you're a Syracuse men's basketball fan. The Orange go down to the Dean Dome and get rolled. 103 to 67 Syracuse falls to North Carolina in a game that felt like it was over before it really even ever got started what's going on it's another edition of red is the new orange as always Johnny Gadamowitz Ian Unsworth with you as a part of the field of 68 podcast network be sure you check out all their content all across the college basketball world a college basketball world that North Carolina finds itself towards the top of right now as they certainly looked like a top 10 team against the orange Ian, you were in the house heck of a lot more bad than good for red autry's crew against the tar heels i wouldn't even say bad it was just ugly it was pure ugliness from the start it felt like syracuse didn't have much of a chance even though armando baycott picked up an early foul it was clear that hubert davis and his staff really were ready for this game Game planning was exquisite from UNC's coaching staff. From getting Baycott isolated on Malik Brown one-on-one. We talked about that with Riley, right? Brown is a bit smaller. Baycott's bigger. Baycott sealed them off early on, got easy buckets, got some putbacks. The guys who scored for them, R.J. Davis, got hot early. Cadeau only turned it over twice. Syracuse didn't pressure him at all. And he didn't really have a whole lot of ball handling responsibility because UNC did a really good job of getting out in transition 
and beating SU down the floor, just like Duke did in the second half. But Carolina did it the entire game. Rebounding advantage, 53-30. to 30. Holy yikes. Terrible. Carolina got 77 shots off. Again, just an eye-popping number. Other game plan things that UNC did really well. Against the zone out of bounds, oh, really nice, really quick ball movement. Always got an open three or an open layup. And about six minutes in, Syracuse started playing zone and didn't really stop for the rest of the game. That's how you knew the defense was cooked because it just didn't match up well. This is, this is kind of an indictment on Syracuse over the past few years. We can talk about that down the, down the stretch of the pod here, Johnny. But as for right now, it's a reality check and a bit of a slap in the face. Yeah, I, I like slap in the face a little bit more than reality check, a harsh reality check at that. I think Carolina was playing selfless basketball. They had 16 assists in total on the night. And I think defensively, they were stellar. It felt like Syracuse just had no offensive game plan. There was no rhythm. There was no flow. It was a lot of Judah Mintz just plowing to get to the rack, which granted has worked at times, but against teams like UNC that are bigger, faster, stronger, you can only play that game so much. And I think the first three sets. Two of the first three sets were for Chris Bell and Justin Taylor. The first one was Bell off a little screen, curl screen up top, dribbled into a mid-range and missed. Justin Taylor, I think two or three possessions later, dribbled into a mid-range and missed. Yep. Didn't hear anything from Taylor for the rest of of the afternoon. He put up, he came pretty close to putting up the old Tony Snell I think he got his rebounds and <laughs> zero, garbage time. Zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, yeah, zero blocks, zero steals. Tony Snell, minutes. for those of you unaware, is just running up and down the floor <laughs> and not doing anything. Um, and then Bell hit a couple of shots, but they didn't come until Syracuse was down double digits. Yeah. And he didn't get going until late in the game. Yeah, they, they it didn't was, matter. It was too little, too late. And then the other thing offensively that was concerning Ian, too, and I'm sure being there only exemplified it even more. Down the home stretch of that first half, Syracuse was missing a lot of high-quality looks down low. Like, they they were working for shots and trying to get something going, and there were just too many misses near the basket. And again, against a team as sharp as Carolina that is not going to be sweeping on either end, you can ill afford to not cash in on the looks that you're supposed to cash in on. And it felt like for whatever reason, the offense just wasn't gelling. And again, I don't know if that's schematics. I don't know if that's just a lack of talent a little bit with what they bring to the table on a night in night out basis. But there was a clear difference in what these two basketball teams are capable of doing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Offensively, when you get tired and when you get beat up and down the floor, your legs start to give in a little bit. You struggle to make those layups. It also didn't help that UNC's backup big, Jalen Washington, who played the majority of the first half after Baycott went out with his second foul, fouling Mintz on a three, is a better rim protector holistically than Baycott. Yeah. He's slimmer, he's more athletic, and he's a better leaper. So UNC still had that aspect of rim protection, even though Washington didn't record a block. He was still in there. Harrison Ingram as well, along with Jalen Withers, played really well down low and controlled the paint. So when you're missing layups, you get frustrated. And down the stretch of the first half, as you mentioned, Johnny, those missed layups lead to transition buckets. Yep. And you, I knew the game was over after the hit ahead to Cormac Ryan. I think everybody in the Syracuse Twitter sphere, fan base, landscape, knew the game was over. After there was a hit ahead to Cormac Ryan, and not a single Syracuse player made it past the SU foul line on defense. Yeah. Coach Autry immediately calls timeout. But you saw Judah Mintz throwing his hands up. You saw players slumping their shoulders. The guys at the end of the bench didn't really come join the huddle. The team was demoralized, down and out, and already down 20. And I think there's a couple of different things that really showed in this game that maybe we haven't seen yet. And what I mean by that is this is a, this is a young team, right? Like they're all sophomores. We spoke about it with Riley last time, pretty much right outside of a couple guys here and there. It felt like Ian, this was one of those games where that youth and that sort of inexperience, if you will, really showed like, like this was a game where, you need you needed guys who have just kind of been there, done that, been in those hard-fought battles in the trenches, know what it takes to go toe-to-toe with blue-blood-type programs. Not to say this team doesn't have any experience, but when you combine the fact that they don't necessarily have any real upperclassmen leaders, I would say, combined with the fact that, we can't forget, it's a first-year head coach. Right. Well, we're getting after him and for good reason, because it was a lousy performance. 
But I think this, for me at least, and I'd be curious to see how you feel about this, Ian, where it was the first time that real youth, both kind of from a player and coaching standpoint, I guess you could say too, really showed more so than it has this year. On the coaching side of things, Red Autry got out coached. He got out schemed. Is it because Hubert Davis and Carolina have better pieces? Yeah. But UNC knew everything Syracuse was going to do and countered in an instant. It was like playing poker with a guy who's counting cards. Right. You can't respond. On the player side of things, these guys are used to losing. We have to remember that. This team last year got smacked around five, six games in a row. And you saw guys doing this against Georgia Tech at home is the one that always sticks with me. The entire dome is booing and there's nothing the guys can do. As it's raining threes for practice. It's raining threes. They're playing man because there's nothing else anyone has up their sleeve and they're down 30. This team is, is gone through the losing part of things. But instead of really having a response, the tail has been always been tucked between the legs. So there isn't someone that knows how to counterpunch. They don't really have a surprise 8-0 run or a bench scorer it, because they last year didn't have the juice and didn't have the coaching or the adjustments or anything of that nature. And we talk about last year filtering through every once in a while. I know I bring it up about every other week, but this is really when it felt like last year all over again. And UNC certainly didn't hand Syracuse its behind last year. That was a damn tight game. But this is supremely getting outcoached and supremely getting out-talented. And your player's not responding. And I think, too, it, it says something in that this coaching staff, and obviously you had the turnover in the offseason, but, like, they didn't really do much portal-wise, right? Like, if you're saying, okay, we are content with pretty much running it back, which I think was kind of the mindset, a couple additions here and there. Obviously, the Westry injury doesn't do you any favors in that department. But if you, for the most part, are going to run it back with a group that just wasn't very good last year, that, that missed the tournament, that was 17 and 15 overall. And Starling, Starling hasn't been the difference maker that people right. thought he'd be because there's right. only one ball. There is only one ball. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it was a little bit of fool's gold for us to expect anything majorly different when we consider the fact that there weren't a ton of additions. And I'd love to know the percentage of, of scoring that Syracuse returns from last year relative to this year, just to see that breakdown. But it, it's alarming. And I think, you know, going forward now, Ian, you know, you, you get a couple chances here to still go out there and, and prove that you mean business in the conference. But, hey, it's tough to beat a team twice. So we hear that all the time. Pitt's going to be hungry in their place. And then, you know, some, some tough games looming large around the schedule, Miami and Florida State at home. So you'd hope that you get some wins there. But it's crazy to think how how one game can really tip the scale as far as the overall outlook is concerned. Fred Autry, after the game, says one game doesn't define a season, no matter how big the win or the loss. But this certainly redirects the season 
instead of feeling like Syracuse is on a bit of an upward trajectory and beating the teams it's supposed to beat, losing to the teams it's supposed to lose to. Yes, this is a loss, but this isn't just a 15, 10-point loss where you stick with them for a half. No, this is a this is a full-on, you know, catapult to the face. The building got demolished. So it's really tough to find positives here. Let's go through some of these Autry quotes other than just the, the stuff about the game defining the season. Um, let's start with this, coaching-wise. One thing Syracuse didn't respond to at all was the press. UNC put the press on. My buddy, who was a Carolina fan sitting right next to me, said, especially when Copeland got in the game, mm-hmm. boy, we should really be pressing. We, of course, in reference to North Carolina. Right. Um, not going to fault him for that. But as soon as they pressed, Syracuse turned it over three times. Got to be ready for something like that. I think it was the first one was after a free throw, and Taylor barely got the ball in. It was over Copeland's head. Stuff like you have to be ready to break the press, especially in someone else's building and when one of your main guards isn't on the floor. You have to know that UNC is ready for the zone. You, you just have to. Autry also said he didn't think spacing was a big problem. The fact that his guys got pressured so much forced them into holding on to the ball too much. So what he means is that iso ball that Judah was playing happened because everyone else was getting pressured with the basketball and really couldn't do anything with it. And of course he's going to say that's not a problem because that's kind of what it's been all year, right? Like it was nothing too different than anything from what we've come to expect. And how many times do we need to say it, right? These good defensive teams are just going to pack everybody in, make shooters beat you. And when the shooters aren't knocking down shots, Syracuse runs into problems. That's the real crux of the issue. I think here Ian is, You know, when it comes time for March and we watch the tournament and we see all these high quality teams year in, year out, they have so many different ways to beat you, right? Whether it's inside, outside, different guys stepping up. And I think with the Syracuse team, like they just don't have a lot of different ways to take you. There's no change up. Yeah, there's no change. There's no change up. And I think that's more personnel than anything else, just based on what they have on the roster. But that doesn't mean that you go all in on a Judah Mintz wow, you know, fest. And and that's that. You, you got to find other ways. And they just haven't proven they can do that yet. Well, they tried the Quidir Copeland pick and roll. And he, he had 16 points. But again, a lot of those came in garbage time. When it mattered, he turned it over six times. Seth Trimble took his lunch money. Yep. It was This was probably his worst game of the season. Road environment. It's tough. He's usually super positive, but and you feel the energy of your teammates heading downwards, it's it's tough to keep that up. And when you're trying to bring the ball up the court against one of the best on-ball guys in the ACC, and no one's helping you, even though the coaching staff is waving their hands and trying to get someone else around, it's not going to work. It just is not going to work. And what's interesting, and, I'm talking about these Autry quotes, mm-hmm. he also said – that he was getting after his guys as far as not doing a good job defensively. And he said, that's the bottom line. Um, I, I don't really know. I, I agree with him, but from that quote, it makes it seem like he thinks more of the issues fall, or at least in this game fell on the defensive side of the court. I, I don't know, based on the conversation we've had, if you couldn't figure it out already, 
I don't necessarily think that's true. I, well, I don't think Syracuse, is, like Syracuse isn't equipped to score hundred points a game. Let's right. be very clear. Syracuse is not going to score a hundred unless they're playing. Uh, I mean, Adelphi right, or right. whatever St. Rose, right? That's the only time Syracuse is, is going to score 100 points because they can't shoot the three. So yeah, the offense is a problem, but if you know, you're not going to score, you have to stop other teams. That's true. That's fair. No, I, I see what you're saying there. I just think for me, if you were to say, Hey, bigger issue right now, the offense or the defense based on this past weekend's game, I'd go offense. Yeah. And I, I mean, there were issues defensively too. Um, but again, you can just the inconsistencies are, are really something that I think is going to cost this team down the stretch. Last thing about Autry and kind of his press conference. Yeah. I'll commend him on not calling anyone out. Right. He takes takes one for the team there. And also he doesn't really allude to the fact that by the you know, end of the first half, throughout the second half, the players just completely lost their heads on the court there. He didn't talk about how guys were complaining. He didn't talk about Benny Williams shooting line drive threes and then turning his back to him on defense and like literally not looking at Autry. So he didn't have to register what the coach was saying. Those, those kind of things would have been, you know, fodder last year. They would have probably been thrown around in the media to send a message to the team. And at this point, I don't think this team needs to hear that they're not listening because they sure know that, the, you know, there was a whole lot of, you know, woe is me and complaining going on on the court. So I credit Coach Autry for keeping that sort of stuff in-house. I yeah. mean, they're, they're probably going to get some butts chewed out in the film session and in practice, but I commend him for kind of keeping his cool and not making anybody a victim here or, or, or you know, a, you know, making making a big problem out of it because like this, the, the optics of this could have been a lot worse. Agreed. Totally agreed. I think anytime we're seeing one too many Benny Williams, three pointers that look like Jacob DeGrom fastballs, um, that, that is something that is not going to bode too well for Syracuse offensively. Before we hit on pit Ian, let's get a quick word from Rob Doster and our friends over at bet MGM. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. 
When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Well, here we sit now in mid-January, and it already feels like it's kind of getting late early. And Syracuse running out of opportunities maybe to go pick up those High-quality, resume-boosting type wins, losses to Duke, losses to North Carolina. But at the same token, all you can do is play the games on your schedule. So Syracuse now will turn its sights towards the Pittsburgh Panthers when they go on the road to the Pete to take them on on Tuesday night. And, of course, the Syracuse team that just took down Pitt a couple of weeks ago in an eight-point win in a game that was Interesting from a Syracuse standpoint, one of their stronger wins of the year, I'd say. And we spent some time in discussing before that game how Pitt is no slouch. Um, but it it will be very curious to see, you know, how round two is different than round one, particularly maybe a little bit of a ticked off Pitt team that just lost to you a couple of weeks ago. Remember, Pitt was up by eight at halftime of that first installment. And then Syracuse went on to score over 50 points in the second half. So they're going to come ready to play. Um, and, and again, it's a game that if Syracuse doesn't go out there and find a way to get it done, we could be having some real different conversations this time next week. Yeah, and Pitt's lost three of its last four, not yeah. just to Syracuse, but L's to Carolina and Duke at home. Uh, they've had a week also to prepare for this, Tuesday to Tuesday. I mean, Duke came into the Pete and beat them 75 to 53. If it was, I think, a five-and-a-half-point dog, and a lot of people were on the Panthers just because they needed that sort of big win. Right. Only W in conference play is Louisville. And then the way Louisville looks, okay, maybe they're getting a bit better. But still, it's it's not a quality win in any way, shape, or form. On the Syracuse standpoint, quality wins right now for the Orange. Our pit, and who knows where that stands in the quad one, quad, you know, all that debacle but Oregon is really good too Did I just Oregon got a text. Get, I, hey, that got bumped up to a quad one win if I'm not yeah mistaken, I got a text right? from Shane about an hour ago who we right. talked to for the Oregon preview that Oregon's five and oh in conference play and they get Arizona at the end of the month so that win looks better and better on the topic of this game alone Blake Hinson shot Pitt out of the first game when Syracuse went on that run Hinson started bricking threes yeah finished the game one for seven that's fantastic. He only had 11 points, but he's not going to do that again, especially in his home gym. Have to stop that dude. Can't go to the zone against Pitt. We said it round one, Syracuse didn't really play zone that much, but she can't do it in round two, especially with a crowd that'll probably be frothing at the mouth to get a W. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We also talked about Pitt's size. No need to do a full rundown on the Panthers because obviously Syracuse fans are pretty familiar with them. But they're bringing the Diaz-Graham twins. They're bringing Federico, Federico, and obviously no McLeod, who only played nine minutes in that first installment of Pitt. Expect to see a lot of Malik Brown. And again, two straight games here now, Ian, where, you know, Brown might be going up against some taller bigs, at least from a height standpoint. But obviously what Malik lacks in size, he makes up for in his agility. And he feasted against Pitt last time out. That was when he was really on a surge, 15 points on 7 of 10. I'd expect Guillermo to step out and shoot some more threes. Oh, yeah. Because he was 3 of 4 from deep. And that's really tough for Malik because he's their only rim protector of sorts and Syracuse's main rebounder. So if Diaz Graham draws him out of the paint, Pitt could have a field day on the offensive glass. Something else worth mentioning, talking about that first Pitt game, Chris Bell and Justin Taylor only combined for six points in that contest. Bell's finding it a little bit. Right. So the point being, Syracuse still found a way to win that game with essentially nothing from the shooters. So you'd figure if they can knock some shots down, everybody else can replicate similar enough performances. Again, this is this is a very winnable game for Syracuse. And Ian, I think you'd agree with me in that this is a game the Orange need pretty badly. Yeah, it's not a must win. I don't think anything is must win at this not point. Quite. But for morale's sake, yeah, yeah. you got to get this one. It is Tuesday night. It is 7 o'clock. Enjoy the contest. Syracuse trying to get back in the win column after a tough loss to UNC. Again, thanks so much for sticking with us. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also throw us a follow over on Twitter at F68 underscore Cuse. We'll post all our content onto that Twitter timeline as well, so you can keep your eyes peeled there. That will just about do it for this edition. Syracuse and Pitt coming up Tuesday night. Enjoy the game, everybody, and we'll break it all down for you on Red is the New Orange at the end of the week.